Hello and welcome to a new season and the first exclusive guest we have got on. I am absolutely delighted to have this man on today with you. Former Liverpool defender, you'll remember him bombing down the wing way before Max Ahrens and Jamal Lewis. 93 caps to be debated and two goals for our city. Johnny, 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 Johnny Opsemabor. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing good, yourself? Good, man. Yeah, I'm really good. good, thank you. How's life treating you? It's simple. Obviously, minus what's going on with the world at the moment, I, I've been pretty, I've been pretty good. I've been looking after myself, me and my family, and, um, and things haven't been too bad. Well, we were talking off air, but before we started, I barely recognised you because you've beefed up a bit since your Norwich days, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, anybody that knows me in football, they always knew I like the strength and conditioning side of training. Um, the only problem I had when I was playing football is I would put on a lot of muscle real quick. So when the lads would be in the gym and whatnot, I was always told by the coaching staff like I didn't I didn't really have to do the weight side of things so I could get away with it. But anytime I would have the opportunity, whether it be after training or during pre-season, I always loved being in the gym. So obviously since I retired now, maybe six, six years ago, six, almost seven years ago I retired. Um, my knees knackered and I've always got problems with me usually so the cardio side of things for me um, uh, next to none so the majority of the time now I'm in the gym doing a lot of strength and conditioning eating what I want drinking what I want nice so, um, I'm about 60 pounds heavier than me playing days let's get straight straight into this if you don't mind me asking obviously you know being a scouser born and bred and, and playing playing for your your liverpool that must have mm -hmm. been so special for you as, as a young guy at the time that must have been an unbelievable experience it, yeah it's at the time i re, looking back now it was kind of surreal because obviously i the grade to make it obviously to Liverpool or, or any first team, especially if you're a local lad, it's real, it's real difficult the path there. Um, and I remember me time at Liverpool, not really thinking about. I always knew I wanted to play for Liverpool, and and I'm sure every young lad at the academy or whatever academy does always wants to play for the home team. But to get to the to get to the first team, you know, it's very few and far between. So it was kind of stages for me, like at the academy, and I always believe I always had this. What well, I wouldn't say it was arrogance, but a real quiet self confidence that, given the opportunity, mm -hmm. I, I could I could hold my own, so to speak. Um, and as the years went by, I remember signing me first professional contract, and then my second one came round and. There was a me and a few of the boys, Neil Meller. Um, who else was there? I think there was only me and Neil Meller at the time. I think a couple of Irish lads. We went up to the, the first team, Melwood then. Um, and obviously we were with the pros week in, week out. And again, that was real, like, you, you're watching the likes of Steven Gerrard on, on the pitch and the next thing you're in the dressing room with them. So that was, it, it was nervous. I was nervous at, at first, but obviously once you're playing football together, it's just, they become... It's just your teammates. You're not playing with them every week, but you're in and around them every week. It's seamlessly put on there because that's what I was going to say. Something particularly, it was, it was the 0304 season I've highlighted um, mm. up, and I, and I, I'm not. I'm actually not going to ask you about what was it like training with Stevie G. What was it like training with Cara? I'm actually going to say El has Juve. Yeah. Do you remember? Like, is he as much of a nutter? Like, Stevie G doesn't have a good word to say about him, does he? Was he really a nutter, or was that kind of a bit over? Um, to be fair, um, I've got a different perspective of Duke because when he when he came to the when he came to the football club, me and him became kind of friends. He couldn't speak any English, yeah, and I don't know why. He just he he, he kind of just started hanging around with me, so to speak. So I had a different perspective of him. I mean, I don't recall any bust ups there more, Stephen, or anybody really at the at the football club while I was there. Um, I know he did some things outside the football club and had a few run-ins with fans, and mm. I know the fans started disliking him. And, and and I think sometimes I, I've always said when I was at, at Liverpool, there was there was a lot of French players there, a lot of. Uh, whether they were French speaking yeah. or they were French footballers, obviously Jared Hulier was the manager, 
Yeah. Um, for some reason, at that time, I felt like the the French players that came into the to the dressing room they seemed to have this real arrogance about them. Um, and I know a few players have said that before. So, especially for the English lads like the, the likes of Stephen or Cara, that can it can rub off a bit. Not well yeah. with them. So um, I think I think some of them, the likes of Juve, I think he had a real good World Cup that summer as well before he came, and I think he came with this type of persona that he was the he was the main man in the dressing room, and obviously he wasn't. Um, and I think I think Stephen kind of just put him in his place whenever he had the opportunity to. And then just 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 quickly touching on Stevie G, I, ha- I have to ask, you know, mm. I, again as a young guy, you. What were you like? Were you like? Were you trying to not be? Oh, Stevie, I love you. Or like, what was your vibe? Because like walking into a changing room with someone of that sort of stature and what he'd achieved even back then must have been mm. a big deal, right? I think you know what I think. You're kind of del- I say delusional too, but it, you don't appreciate it as much when you're young like that because you 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 know of him. You you know how good he is, uh, and then. He's in the dressing room, and not to be selfish, but you're trying to concentrate on yourself. You're trying to improve all the time, so you're not so much in awe of anybody there. Um, It wasn't until I remember training with him a few times, and I've always said this about Stephen, I've never come across anybody that trained exactly how they played. So you'd see him playing on the side, you see how intense he was and how yeah. the quality of his passing and his striking. And then you'd see him on the Monday and the Tuesday and if the games there was training session, he'd be exactly the same. And it might sound a bit foreign to yourself, but anybody that has been in and around football, sometimes you get players that we used to call them training ground players because yeah. Monday to Friday, you wouldn't really, you wouldn't really get much from them. And then Saturday, you know what I mean? They were hitting this. And then Monday would come round. And you you know you wasn't getting that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from them. Thursday, Friday, they pick up. And then Saturday would come. But Stephen was was full on, like, in te- match intensity every time. Yeah. Any time yeah. there was anything on. And I think that, I think, looking back now, I think that was the difference from not just being, like, uh, uh, one of Liverpool, like, being world class, is in, like... Is aired and, and the players that were around them, mm. and and your and your time at Liverpool, semi um, three mm. loan moves away. Were, were you were you frustrated because you've said that there was this self belief, this confidence that that you were gonna make it there? And um, three loan moves away. That, how did that feel being loaned out? Did it feel right for you at the time, or were you thinking, well, hang on a minute, why am I not being given a shot here? Uh, not, not, not so to speak, because I wasn't at the time when I was being loaned out. I think my first loan was Hull, and I was nowhere near the first team. As much as like you, you, you do believe in yourself, that mm-hmm. you know what I mean. You've got to be realistic, and and the players that were heady, and even the players that were that were in the reserves at the time, I can't remember. They were, they were, they won't say they were miles ahead of me, but they were always going to get the opportunity before. You know, I would have yeah. got in the team. So when the, the opportunities came up to go on loan, it was just it was more of a learning experience for me. It wasn't like, oh, I'm leaving Liverpool now. I'm never coming back. I think after once I once I um, played in the first team, I played one game, and then the following year I was more or less involved all the time. I didn't have many games at Liverpool. I was involved a lot, but I didn't have many games. And then after that, when Rafa, um, sorry, when yeah, Rafa Benitez came in, and he immediately wanted me to go out on loan. That's when that that's the one that really hurt me because I felt like the season before I felt I proved I could play at that level or be amongst yeah. it, whether it be at Liverpool or. And then I think I went out. I went out to loan on Bolton. I think I went to loan Bolton in the Premier League. So I felt at that stage, I were, even though I was still learning my trade, I still wanted to to um, to stay at that level as as long as possible. And then obviously, when a new manager comes in, like most managers, and, and you've got their own plans and players who do one in and out, I think that was the most hard one. That we knew I had to go back out on loan again, and I probably wouldn't have come back. 
interesting very interesting indeed and 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 just we, we we unfortunately we can't do this podcast without bringing up this mental story of course anyone searches john of semibor in the internet and what do you get up probably second or third is <laughs> 2003 now let, let, i really want to talk about this so for the norwich fans that don't know this about semi so in 03 you were shot in a bar by an armed gang member and um, you know was there a point where, you know, where are you fearing your career? Just, just talk, talk us through that that just crazy moment. The the shooting. Um, I think it wasn't too far. It was actually what was weird about it is that I was on the. I was very close to getting into the first team, which I didn't know about at the time. And the incident happened. Um, I was out one night with uh, friends from the area, and. And when you're going out with your, me friends are from the area and you, you can never pick and choose your friends. Looking back now, that you know, there was a lot of things I think I would I would have changed in my environment that probably would help me in my career. Mm. Um, so I was basically, I was, I was knocking around with the wrong people, going to the wrong places and not thinking, I wouldn't think anything would happen to me such as like I'd go out and I'd get shot, you know what I mean? You see fights and and all sorts you never think that you're going to go out and something so drastic had happened but i remember being out in in the nightclub and a, a friend a, me one of my best friends who's passed away now he he was arguing with somebody that i knew in the in the club cut a long story short um so i've had a go at my friend somebody's passed him a gun to shoot somebody and and I've had a go at my friend as if to say, why are you taking weapons off anybody in this club type of thing? So my mate was drunk and he, he, we were only young. I was 20, I think I was 21, he was 22 at the time. <laughs> and the, the guy who passed him the gun has seen me come from, just seen me come out the way, pinned my friend up and thought I was one of the last that they were fighting with in the club, decided to shoot me. Um, but I, don't, I just I remember like fireworks going off in the in in the nightclub, and then I remember running down to the basement, and my friend came down with me at the time, Dean, and I was thinking, listen, I think I've been shot, like something feels weird, and he was like, no, you're all right, and I remember putting me hand down, me, me pants, me jeans at the time, and the best way to explain it was, you know, if you dip your hand in like a tub of paint and you pull it out, and it's that's what my hand was like, but it was covered, like obviously in blood. So I panicked then and, and obviously ran out the the nightclub and cut a long story short, ended up in hospital. I, I was very fortunate, so to speak, because the bullet that 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 hit me kind of went in and straight out of me. But the 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 design, what I found out later, is that once they go in, they don't normally come out. The, they don't normally come out, so they ricochet around your body. Um, so I was fortunate that it's passed right through me. I think it was about a, an inch or so away from my hip. So if it would have hit my hip, I would never. I, you obviously need a hip replacement, and that would have been me done at twenty-one. So I was very, I was very, very fortunate. Looking back now, I was very fortunate because obviously I went on after that. Um, I got in the Liverpool first team. Like I think that happened in the, in the. Oh, I can't remember. I was I was only out for ten days. I'm, I, I, if I remember correctly, I think that happened in the October, and I was in the first team in the December because Jamie Carragher, Steve Finnan was injured, and Jamie Carragher went and broke his leg, and he had nobody else but me. And I literally come back to fitness. And you and just do that, yeah. But I, going back then, I remember that the coach at the time, Alec Miller, he said, "Listen, you need, I, I had a few run-ins away from the training ground." Um, and Alec Miller at the time, he was a Scottish coach. He was a, he was a real good coach to me at the time. Mm. He said, listen, you need to kind of get your, your life in order because you can either go one way, you can either have a career or you, you're going to be washed up at the age of 21. Um, so I managed to get my life in order. Mate, thanks for opening up about that. I mean, genuinely shocking. I mean, I even yeah. I've read the article, but I didn't realise to the extent of like just the graphic detail there and stuff. Just, unbelievable and as you say i think that you've i think you've summarized it well you're so blessed and lucky to have had the career that you've had considering as you said the design of the bullet yeah. and obviously where you were shot as well 
Not um, only that, I think at the time, I think if if I was anybody, if I was if I was just an academy player, or if I if I if Liverpool didn't think I had any potential, I think that they would they had the opportunity to get rid of me at the time. Um, because also I remember Rick Parry, he was the chief exec at the time, and he was saying the the club doesn't need that type of attention, even though it wasn't about gangs and and guns. Um, in my situation, but that's what the the media portrayed it to be, and yeah. obviously, you, no football club wants the the, yeah. the any footballers involved in gangs and guns. Obviously, you know what I mean. So, I was fortunate that Liverpool stuck with me through that. Not only stuck with me, then gave me the opportunity to go to go and play in the first team. So again, I was I was so fortunate. Well, you're alive, you're here to tell the tale, my friend. Yeah. Of course, went on to have, in my opinion, a great career. And and fast and fast forwarding now to the bit that Norwich fans are gonna to want to know about. We more more than being shot, which is just nuts. <laughs> I can't even believe I'm even talking about this on this podcast. So you're let's fast forward now, Sammy. So you're at crew, mm. Norwich yeah. come calling. Yeah. Just, just just describe that time from your point of view. How did that feel for you? Were was there an element of, of excitement? Were you worried? Did you think it was the right move? <coughs> how how was it being transferred from crew to Norwich City Football Club? Well, at the time I was playing really well at crew uh, and I, how crew works. I don't know if you probably know, obviously the the, the, the club kind of runs off the funds of sales of players yeah, i know i didn't come through the crew academy but daddy wanted to sell me i think i was coming i was 24 in march and then my contract was finishing in the in the june or july so i refused yeah. to sign a new contract obviously because it would have worked better for me so i had the, obviously norwich i had qpr and i think there was somebody else and qpr offered me a contract first but i didn't go down to the training ground or or the ground itself and then Norwich came in um, and Norwich was the first place I actually went to like I went down with my agent and Peter Grant obviously was the manager at the time and I went around the, the training ground and the ground and, and as soon as I sat down and I, I was I think I was in Norwich for a day or two as soon as I left there I said to my agents I said I'll go I'll go back and sign like I made me mad and then so we were gonna go home and then I, I, I rang the chief exec at the time. I can't remember, Scottish fella, he or he, he works in Scotland now. Was it? Yeah, Neil Doncaster. Yeah, that's him, Neil Doncaster. I rang him and said, "Listen, there's no point in me going back to to come back up to sign any like I made my mind up." But Semi, what what was that moment? What was the feeling? Because you said you know you just what? Like, I just, I just think at the, at the time, like going back to what I was saying before, where I when I was at Liverpool and I, I played in the in the Premier League and I'd been around a lot of the first team players and I felt I I wouldn't say I, I was I was ready to, at that time. I felt like I, I could hold my own with them players yeah. and 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 given the opportunity to play in the Premier League and. And at the time, Norwich had just come down from the Premier League the year before, if I remember correctly. And I thought it was, for me, it was a non-brainer because it was I couldn't see any other option than going to Norwich and getting back in the Premier League. That was my thought process. If I'm going to go here, if it's going to be next year, it's it, it's going to be the year after, and I'll be back where I feel I've you know where I want to play, basically, which is the Premier League and. I looked at my other options as QPR and, and someone else, and I, I didn't I didn't have that same feeling about it, so I, I wasn't going to waste any time going down there. Then I think the QPR the QPR was actually a better deal financially wise, but for me at the time, twenty four, you know, yeah. I was hoping to to get back in the Premier League, and I felt Norwich would be my quickest route to that. And 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 of course it wasn't, and uh, obviously, and but but you know, I really want to get. <laughs> into the nuts and, and bolts of, of that squad that you played with. But before that, Sammy, what I find really interesting about your journey, Norwich, you had so many managers, didn't you? Like yeah, so I've many. I've always said it. I've always said it. And and that and that couldn't have been easy, right? No, I think I mean I was I was when Peter Gunn signed me and he told me how 
his ambitions and, and what he, where he's seen the club going and the calibre of players he wanted to bring in. And and that was my whole draw there. Like, I felt like he, he, he wanted to manage in the Premier League. And I think it was, I mean, obviously we didn't, I don't remember the, how how the season panned off, but I, I, I do remember like there was, he, he felt like he was under real pressure around October time, it might have been. And I remember him calling us into the dressing room and saying, like, his kids were getting flat at school and his wife was getting it in the ear down the mall. And I, I really felt for him in that sense, but also a selfish side was me. He was like, oh, you can't, don't bail on us now type of thing. Like, I really wanted him to stay. And and obviously the results were going well. And then before you knew it, he, he, decided, to, um, he decided to walk out. And, and then I, I think Jimmy, what was his name? Jimmy, who took over after that? His assistant, another Scottish fella, Jimmy. Oh, I forget his name. Don't he remember, came mate. in for a bit. He came in for a bit. And then after that, was it was it Glenn Roder after that? The was man Glenn after Peter Grant, yeah. I, Glenn Roder. It was semi. And that that was my that was my loaded question to you. Because mm. Glenn Road has got a reputation with Norwich fans, um, a bad one. Uh, I don't think anyone has really got a good word to say about him, particularly mm. the way that he treated club legend Darren Huckabee. And yeah. what what was your experience of Glenn Roder? And you, just, just fill us in. What was he really like behind the scenes? Because everyone thought, to be honest with you, on the outside in, he was a bit of a knob. But what was he like? I've in never, the I've, I've, I, I've, I've had loads of managers through the years, whether it be loans or you know, managers at clubs. I've never actually had a manager that I actually dislike. Like, I dislike you. Like, if I seen him in the street now, I'd, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even acknowledge him. Like, that's how much I dislike him. And if he, if he, if he, if he spoke to me, how he spoke to me at the football club, now I'd probably slap him on the spot. Like, that's how much I dislike that man. What, what I've never. What did he I've say never, to you? He, he, it wasn't so much like what he, he just it just as the way he was like I, I was he, he managed in the Premier League he'd managed real you know quality players so when he came in I was enthusiastic for, for yeah. us for the club thinking you know this is this is a good signing and you know what it did it did get off to to a, an okay start with him you know what I mean I think we won a few games and, and we were up and down and it wasn't and then it just it, like the way he treated the likes of Hooks, the 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 younger lads, some of the younger lads, he he was terrible with. It. And I, I felt to me like his man management skills. Like not everybody, like some people need a, a ball. And sometimes when players are playing well, they need a, a you know an arm around them. He didn't know that he didn't he, he didn't have a grasp of that. I just felt he was he was just horrible all the time. And I, and it wasn't so so much what he said to me, it was how he said it. Like, and I was, at the time, I was still young. I was still 24, 25. And sometimes I wouldn't, like, if, if I felt he was wrong in a certain aspect, I wouldn't I wouldn't speak up about that. I wouldn't open yeah. up about that. So I'd, I'd bottle it all in me. And at the time, I was I was living down there on my own. I was I was very confident playing. So... If I was, if I wasn't playing one, well, my confidence was was so low at times at the football mm. club, and I was living on my own. So when the lads were going back with the families, I was always going back on my own, like sitting there and dwelling over games and dwelling over performances. And, and mm. even even sometimes when I, I remember being when Glenn was there, not wanting to go into training. I've never I've never felt like that about football before, like. It was weighing on me so much in being manager and, and the way he was with certain players. Like I just didn't, I didn't actually want to be there. That that change, uh, that's unbelievable, Sammy. It makes me angry as a Norwich fan that we even brought in a manager mm. like that. I mean, surely, I mean, obviously, it wouldn't happen these days because you just can't do that anymore. All of the, all of the yeah. tests, and the referrals, and the amount of people you speak speak to before that sort of deal goes through. That changing room was a real mixture of fire i would say because you had some big characters in terms of players for example scottish fozzy who would have yeah. who would have who would have been saying some words you've then got clarky is number two who wouldn't mm. be spoken to like crap and then you've got glenn roder um 
that that changing room there must have been a few wild conversations after defeats. Yeah. you know what though we were all Barky at the time um it was like good good cop bad cop and i think at times like clarky clarky was real good with us like i think I, when 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 Glenn was out of order, you'd find Clarky always not apologising for him, but Clarky would decide and say, "Listen, Sam, this, this, and this. You know what I mean? This is, and kind of just break it down for you. And that's all you needed. Sometimes you didn't need it, like you fucking shit da, 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 and all that. Um, so Clarky was really good with us, and I, I had a lot of time for Clarky. Um, yeah. But Glenn, like once it once it got to the once it got to the like, I remember, I remember when we were at, we had a training down game and we were I can't remember who we were playing. It was on the if you go into the cap pack, it was on the front pitch there. And I was playing right back. I think I'd give a ball away or done something. What it wasn't not a major. And he's got on the phone. So he's standing by me on the touchline now. And he's got on the phone and he was on the phone trying to get another right back in while I'm playing the game. And I could hear every comment, I could hear everything he was saying on the side of the pitch at a training ground nah. game. Honestly, God, on my, on, I wouldn't wouldn't lie to you. I could hear him on the phone. You're going, yeah, such and such. Da, 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 da. We need him in immediately. Just on the phone. And I'm thinking, like, is there any need for that while I'm playing? I'm, pl- I'm trying to concentrate on the game. And I've got the manager on the touchline standing on the side of me, trying to replace me in, in, while I'm playing football. I cannot and believe I think he was. I think he was just. I think that was just his. He, I don't know what. I don't. I don't know him that well. You know. I don't know what other what other players or other clubs uh, mm-hmm. have said about him. I mean, I've, like I said, I've never, I've never had a, a manager where I actually dislike you. So it's crazy. It's crazy, Sammy. I've, we've heard this from so many players. But what I would agree with you on definitely is Clarky, absolute top man. Um, being be yeah. on. We've done a podcast of Lee Clark. Go and listen to it if you haven't already. Absolutely brilliant interview with him about his time here at Norwich, and really enjoyed it actually. And I remember, um, yeah, I used to hang out with his with his son. Actually, he's a he's a really good guy. Really, really lovely family. So, yeah, agree with Clarky, and obviously agree with you also that Glenn wasn't the best. So, I mean, let's try and lighten the tone, shall we? Your first <laughs> goal for the football club. Now, your first goal for the football club, two thousand eight, five one at Car Road against Colchester. Yeah. Do you remember that goal and how did you feel? Because that was your first goal in, I believe, three years. Was that that was, was Glenn the manager then? I think so. I th- I'm yeah, pretty sure. I, I remember, yeah, because he was he was always. I was so fired up for that game. I've never been more fired up for the game in my entire life than that game. Because I think leading up to the to 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 training that week, he was he. I, you know what? I shouldn't say this, but you know when you feel like someone's picking on you, like you're a little kid, someone's picking on you. That's what I felt like for the manager. Like he he, he talked to people, and then I felt like when he come around to me. It was just everything he had, all his anger, all his whatever. And sometimes I, I maybe did this because I wasn't playing well, and that's fine. But yeah. other times I thought, you know what? That's that's actually uncalled for. Leading up to that game, I remember getting Claire. He got me a bike sent down to the. To the ground from the training ground, you know, like it. Um, so I yeah, used to get on the bike. Yeah, I was on the bike for the before the warm up. I was that and before the game. Um, so I was on the bike getting warm, and then I go out, and I, I just knew I really had to play well. I don't remember the goal very well, but I remember being like, I, I was right up for that game. Was that my first goal? Yeah. I did, did, mate. You turned into Roberto Carlos. You took it past three, (laughs) drove into the box and smashed it in the back of the net. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember afterwards being so, like, all my frustrations were coming out from that week and previous weeks. I was so delighted. Um, But yeah, it was. It was a good. It was probably one of my best goals, to be fair, because I didn't score many throughout my career. But. yeah, it was good because it, it obviously it switches the derby and then there's Colchester, isn't there? Which is obviously the, yeah. the next nearest. So, oh, derby, so. <laughs> we're still not over that defeat, Colchester, I have to say. Well, maybe we are now, only just, uh, but that's another topic of conversation. And Semi, there's, you know, uh, there is one player that I want to talk about in a minute, actually, and mm. um, I'm sure you'll have a giggle at. But before we go on to the nuts and bolts of the squad, I really want to ask you about that 
horrific season, 2008-2009. First time we've been relegated in 49 years under, mm. of course, club legend Brian Gunn. Yeah. How did, how did that feel? Well, probably that was, without doubt, one of, if not the worst season I played during my career. I think at the time, I, I mean, obviously Gunny came in and, and everybody wanted to do well for Gunny because obviously he's a club legend, he's, he's Mr Norwich. And leading up to him getting the job, I, I think he took maybe about three, four, maybe five games on him. We played really well. We were, we yeah, were absolutely outstanding. Yeah. It's always the case, is that when you get the job, it kind of um, goes downhill. But for us, that squad that we had at the time, I remember speaking to Jamie Curran one time, uh, and I think there was me, Jamie, and one other in the team, and the rest were lone players. Yeah, and we were like, a... as much as as much as we're, we are all fighting for the same cause. But I remember. Ryan Bertrand was there and obviously he's gone on and had an excellent career but Ryan was playing Ryan wasn't so-called playing to, to keep Norwich up Ryan was playing to get as many minutes in and get experience because he wanted to go back to Chelsea and move on and do other things and and there was numerous players like that in the group that were, were playing for their own cause and there was there were the likes of me Jamie and a few others that were actually playing like this this really mattered to us we didn't want to be in League One you know what I mean? That obviously you're going to be in League One, and Ryan's going back to the Premier League. So it's all right um, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all right for him. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 he goes when the summer comes back, and, and we're doing pre-season, and we're in League One, and getting pies thrown at us. He's at Stamford Bridge chilling. So <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think we were looking around the squad that time, and we were thinking everybody, everybody just had their own objectives. And there was a handful of us that were really there that were, wanted to keep the club up. And, and there was others there that basically just didn't care. It was just, it was very unfortunate that Brian Gunn was the, was the head of the ship that year. You know what I mean? He didn't deserve to take on that squad and, and have that no. relegation against his name. I think more or less, I think you've nailed it, Sammy. Certainly my observations from the, from the upper Barclay were that we just signed way too many lone players that did not mm. care about club and yeah. I, I think I think Norwich have probably learned from that actually I don't think we've ever done it since we've never had that yeah. many loan players since and I actually thought at the time it was nuts and I think it was almost like Glenn Roder was just rolling the dice and hoping for the best and then of course Gunny inherited it had to take it but Semi I obviously I watched your interview with with Under the Cosh and one of the interesting points that you said that you didn't open up about but I'd really like to get underneath if you don't mind is mm. Brian Gunn, it wasn't, it wasn't such a smooth relationship with you. He did shout with you a few times. You said, so "Yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always, I've always, I've had run-ins with managers uh, throughout the years. I wouldn't call them run-ins. I, I call them healthy discussions. We just shout at each other. We just shout at each other, and I think, I think at the time, um, I can't remember what, what had happened. I, I, he fired me for something. I can't remember what it was for now. Really? Turning up late? Was it late? I don't know if it was late or it was something real stupid and I got fired for it. And then it put me in a put me in a real bad mood. And then not he didn't tell us the team until I'm sure it was Jovel away, if I guess right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was Jovel away, and I see I've got a good memory. And he I don't think I was on the bench. Yeah, I, I think he left me out the squad. I think he found me that week and then left me out the squad. And my temper was at just, I was just raging. And it's, I ended up staying on the coach. I didn't get off the coach. Once I knew that, I said, fuck, like, I'm not getting a coach, which on my behalf is very unprofessional and very bad. And I think it was more ego driven, like, yeah, type yeah. of thing. But also, looking back, I didn't, the lads had to go and win a game. And you know what I mean? And I didn't want to be in the dressing room on an iron and end up arguing with coaching staff and this, that, and other, and why aren't they involved? And, and the, the truth of the matter was, I wasn't playing well. So Brian yeah. took me off the team. Yeah. And, and that's just that was just it. Oh. I think just with getting fined the same day and then obviously getting left out the, the squad completely, I think it was just too much for me. So I stayed well, on the coach and calmed myself down. 
Obviously, well, it didn't go down well with the fans and whatever at the time. I'm not too sure on what the result was at the, at the game, but I think we won that year. I think we won that year. Yeah, I think four nil. I've got in my memory, but correct me in yeah. the comments if I'm wrong there, guys. Um, but so, so that's really interesting. And, and Gunny's a great friend of the channel, Semi. So what I'm going to do is still, I'm going to speak to Gunny. I've got him on Instagram. We still chat. All right. All right. Around, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll find out. We'll find out why you got fined, Semi. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> now, now, let's, now let's get into something that, that I'm so excited to hear about. Um, the, the players within that squad that you played with. Weirdly, mm. despite it being a horrible time, really, to be at the football club in terms of the, the turbulence around the managers, there were some top players. And and maybe and I'm and I'm winking at him now on the screen because I know he'll be watching this. Maybe not the best player, but a great lad, a lad that you played with, <coughs> I think, really well down your side. Crofty Lee Croft. What was he like to play with? Because you you two had a great chemistry on that win. He did used to give me hospital balls. Like he always used to give me a pass that would be basically life or death like if i got there <laughs> but if i didn't get there i could be out for six weeks <laughs> i remember he played me one ball it was derby county we were playing at home and he's played me a ball into a corner and the thing is with crossy because i was so quick he always used to play the ball ahead of me and yeah. i would sprint onto it and sometimes it'd be easy to pass me the ball but you'd always pay it for me to obviously sprint onto it. and i remember sprinting onto the ball and I think it was the boy, Steve, Stephen Davis. I think he's a scouser as well. He's came in and he's rolled my ankle. And I swear I was out for about eight weeks. And I got, I couldn't even walk off the pitch. So I got um, got lifted around the pitch. I remember just looking at Crafty the whole time thinking, I knew one of these days, them balls that he was going to give me, going to get me in. <laughs> but besides that, I've, I've always known, I've known Lee for years, because obviously he was at Man City when um, when he was younger and I was at Liverpool. So we'd always play against each other or, or see each other about. And he was one of the lads when when I first went to, to Norwich. You kind of just, there's some players that you just click with and uh, and Lee was one of them. We, we, we kind of got on like a house on fire. And he didn't live too far away from me. I, I lived in Tackleston. And he lived in where it was, but he didn't. He didn't live too far away from me. So some days he picked me up to training, or I pick him up. So we were good mates down there, and I think that showed when we when we played together, me and him on the um, on the pitch at times. Yeah. No, I agree. And 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 two other players that we have to talk about: Darren Huckabee, Dion yeah. Dublin. What was it like? What was it like training with those guys? What was it like being around that caliber of player? Well, obviously, Hook and and Dion, you know, the club legends. And and going back to what I was saying about Stephen before, there's there's some players like that caliber of player that they just they automatically bring the best out of you. Just even on the train, whether it's I always remember Hook. He'd roll his shorts up, and whether it was whether it was sprints, whether there was no balls involved, he'd always wanted to win. He always wanted to win. Because he even he, he was quick. He was slowing down towards the end. Like he was, he was he was rapid. Like first ten, I, I thought I was quick, but for the first five or ten yards, I could never get near hooks. Give me twenty, thirty yards, and I think I could, I could catch up to him. But over that first ten yards, he was like lightning. And and Dion, I've always said to about Dion, Dion was like a father figure to me. Mm. Yeah, I never really had me me dad around growing up watching football and. Dion was always that that presence in the dressing room where if you was unsure about speaking to the manager or if you was unsure about something that happened during the game, Dion was always the one sitting there putting his cocoa button on that you could just sit next to and just listen to Dion and he speaks to you about this and that. So Dion was like that that type of figure for me. But again, when when he played you could see why he's played at the highest level for the majority of his career, whether it be up front, whether it would be centre back, and I've got nothing but you know good ways to say about them both. I, I I was privileged to play in Dion's final game of his career, which was Sheffield Wednesday yeah. away. Yeah, and I remember him giving a team talk, and he just burst into tears. And I no, just, just yeah, he, he he just you could see it in the dressing room. He was just so emotional, like he played how many seasons did Dion play? Like 20, 20 seasons or something. A long time. I never yeah, knew. 
Yeah, he was. He gave the team talk in the dressing room, and he just had the tears rolling down his face. And I just remember thinking, oh, wishing I had, I could play at, you know, play at the level he's played at for so long. I think he was thirty nine at the time, and like I'm he's sitting old. here now, I'm only, I'm only thirty. I'm only why I'm looking back now, saying I'm privileged is, I've been retired six years, and I'm only thirty seven now, and I remember going to going to Norwich at the time and Dave Cadillan was the was the fitness instructor. Friend of the channel and was, Yeah and he was he was telling he said he I remember calling me and saying listen send the lads a fit down here so make sure you look after yourself over the summer. So I always used to think I was naturally fit anyway and, and, and naturally in good shape. I didn't think I'd have to do too much. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first training session getting down the PCs and Dion Dublin must have been 37 he must have been my age now must have been 37 years of age and we did these shuttle runs and for the first time in pre-season I didn't complete that didn't actually complete the session because I physically couldn't run anymore oh. and I thought this is <laughs> and I thought this is a bad look for me but I'm just they just signed me I'm 24 years of age and I've got a 37 year old man running past me <laughs> And and I never knew that story about him crying in the change room before Wednesday. And of course, yeah, I, think, yeah, I think it was a real emotional for him. It wasn't like obviously he, he played so long and he played at the highest level. And I think him just giving the team talk, realizing it was going to be his last game, his last team. So I think it just brought up a load of emotion because Dion was very cool, collective, calm. Yeah. You'd yeah. never really be able to wake him out. Whether he, uh, I'm sure he never got nervous, and you know, we used to, he, he always used to warm up. Like even before training, he, he'd be a, a bath or he'd be doing something just to get out on the training pitch. So when the games come, he was always very chilled. And and when I seen him like that, giving the team talk, it's like, like I say, looking back now, it, it was a privilege. Wow, that's unbelievable! Great insight there, um, Semi. Leaving the club now, um, yeah. how did that feel? Did, did did you feel like there was unfinished business? Did it feel like the right time for you to leave the football club? I was, I was, I was really mixed about leaving because at the time I was probably one of the longest. I think there was obviously I'm not too sure whether Hooks and Dion was still there when Paul Lambert come in, but I remember um, obviously Paul Lambert come in and speaking about Paul Lambert. Going back to Glen Roddy, you know, talking about the man management skills, Paul Lambert is probably the best manager, one of the best managers I've had, wow. just for the way he man managed players that were in the team, that weren't in the team, the way he had the togetherness of the group of lads. And I think for for myself, I remember, I remember, I, I, I wasn't playing so well at the time and I was in the team and I played really well and he pulled me aside and you know and said that's what you need to do you need to keep on top of it and you know keep believing in yourself and at that them aspects of a manager are, you know the crucial especially mm-hmm. for, for certain players like myself so when it when it came to me to leave he I think I was going to Southampton I wasn't I wasn't getting much game time I think coming who was an excellent right back and I had the opportunity to go to, to Southampton, which was again a big club. And massive, at the yeah. Time, yeah, it, it was. It was. I didn't want. I didn't want to leave, but also I didn't. I didn't want to see me contract out and then come to the end of the season not having played any games. And right. yeah. you know, if Norwich didn't want to renew right. me contract, and so I think it was more I had to leave rather than me wanting to leave. Right. Okay. Um, Interesting. And then. Obviously, that went once I left uh, and asking about the togetherness that I felt at the group of players. They went on, won the league, uh, and went on and uh, and obviously won the championship and gone in the Premier League. And I always look back thinking, if I would have stayed, like footballs, footballs about like here and now and today. It's not so much about the weekend or and I never knew what might have happened. So I always look back with the kind of thinking, oh, should I have stayed? But it's all hearsay now and 
I, I was gonna I was actually gonna ask that semi. I uh, was actually one of my questions for you is it, you know, what, what is your biggest regret in football? Are you saying that that is your biggest regret in football, leaving Norwich? Leaving you know what? Norwich one thing about Norwich, I think I've had multiple football clubs. Obviously Liverpool is me me so I I me trade down there, but Norwich after after my first year at Norwich, I would happily spent my whole career there. That's how much I enjoyed it, that Norwich. Yeah. Like, if they, if, if Norwich would have turned around and said to me, listen, you can spend the rest of your career today where you sign a contract, I would have stayed there for the whole of my career. I had no problems. Yeah. Like, so, I've still yeah. got my house down there. And the Grant Holt, no. Yeah, Grant Holt is, um, is Mrs's sister. Husband is renting me house. Ah. So I've still got my house down there. And, um, so, so, yeah, look, look, look. I regret it because of what the team did once I left. Like they went on, and, and mm-hmm. like I was saying to you before, I went to Norwich because I fought at that in the Premier League. And yeah. when I when I left, they went on and got in the Premier League. And I was like, No one knew that double bounce was coming. No one knew. A question, <coughs> probably my favorite question. I was giggling whilst I was typing this one up, which was, of course, you came back to play Norwich at Carrow and you're. In my opinion, your your fantastic chant, the old Johnny Obsemable chant, there was an extra sweary bit added on to the end of that. <laughs> he's, he's fucking, what shit. Johnny, fucking shit. It's, um, it's fucking shit. Yeah. And so I, I want to ask you that I, I keep saying this, but this this, but but what did that feel like? Because you've got twenty six thousand people, they're they're they they've almost disregarded what you've done um, yeah. at the club. You and know what? Added, I think I, like I was saying. Like I was saying um, just to you before, football is all about here and now. Like what's happening yeah. today with football, it's not so much like the weekend or the following week. It's like what's happening today. And I think at that time, where I when I was saying I was one of the, I was one of the few players left that came through, um, the Peter Grant and and the Glen Roder. So I, I, I'm not stupid. I know there was a section of fans that probably wanted me out the club, along with the likes of Jamie Cure and um, Fozzie, so to speak. So I, I recognised that at the time. Um, when I uh, when I went to Southampton, well, Paul Lambert didn't want me to go because the following game was Norwich, and the deal was: listen, you can go to Southampton, but you can't play against us. <laughs> and I said, well, listen, I'm not willing to sign down there. Obviously, if you're dictating what games I can play in. I said, that's not fair. I said, I'm willing to go. I don't really want to go. But obviously, if it's my help the club for wages or whoever else yeah. you want to bring in, I'm willing to go. But you can't turn around and say, you can't play against us now. Because obviously, if we win and I play well, it, it's going to look bad against you, which obviously happened. But... Obviously, that's mine because you say what what they went on to do, and um, but playing and and hearing it, you know what? I didn't I didn't hear it until I can't, did we win two one? I think we I won two one, didn't we? I think you beat us. Yeah, I think we won two one, and you know when you're playing the games and you, you don't really hear it. I think it comes to like the last. 10, 15 minutes of the game and we were up and a ball went out to play one side and obviously I was taking a throw in and that's <laughs> when I really heard and I thought like, I was I was I wasn't I wasn't I wouldn't say I was wounded but I, I and I know football it's 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 pantomime there's heroes there's villains yeah, and, and you know I was, I was the villain for that day and I, I didn't mind that I didn't celebrate much once we won because I'd only left there the following week and I still have friends there and I still knew all the staff. So I wasn't, I'm not that type of person where I'm going to run around screaming and celebrate because I really didn't want to leave. So I was kind of humble enough just to walk off the pitch and, yeah, and, and leave well it be. Well played. I really appreciate that. And um, Sammy, what, what are you up to now? What are you up to these days? What are you doing with your life? I've got three children. My daughter's 14, my lad's nine, and my little, my newest one is two years of age. My days are spent with the kids, mate, honest. I spend my own time in the gym. I've started coaching. I went through, I went, I don't know if you did on my last podcast, I went through a real tough time when I retired with depression and uh, mental health. Did you? And really trying to find out 
like, what am I going to do with my life? Because like, as much as we're talking now and I'm speaking about like crafty and we were always in, we were always involved in doing something and it's kind of yeah. when you, you stop football, it's kind of like you just landed on earth at 30 years of age. It's the weirdest thing ever. So I kind of like masked it for a few years, but then I couldn't, like the depression came and, and loads mm-hmm. of other problems came with that. So now um, I would like to think I'm at the back end of it. I started um, coaching. So I'm doing, I'm, I'm looking after um, my lads teams under nine and a friend of mine, Robin, has got this great setup called Football Performance, which is in Liverpool. Um, we coach like under eights, under nines, um, but it's only grassroots football. So I do that three times a week, and it's really given me because once once I finish football, I, I'm one of them. I, I'm I'm out of sight, out out of mind type of person. So I I can't even watch football on the telly. I can't. I just wow. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want nothing to do with it. And being around, obviously, my son and and the other lads, we've got a good group of players. I've really found the book to like be involved in football again. I was so going to say, I'm hoping, I applaud sorry. the fact, I was just going to say something, I applaud the fact, you know, you've been at that point, but yet you're on here today talking about your time at Norwich. So that just yeah. shows how far you've come. So I mean, like one of the things that we that we speak about in this podcast, actually, I wasn't going to ask you about this, but as soon as you bring it up, if you don't mind, okay. we are really trying to positively impact people. And for the people that are listening and watching this now that are going through a tough time, whether that be grief, depression, what What's really what's helped you navigate that storm? You you know, for especially males, I think it's we're, we're in a society, and whether it's football related or not, we're, we're taught to be strong and and to hold your own, and you know, mm. men shouldn't cry, men shouldn't do this, men shouldn't do that, and and. I said to you before about sometimes when I would bottle stuff up whether it be wanting to speak to a manager and it is affecting performance. And I found, especially in life, that if there's something I need to speak about, no matter what it is, I've got to be able to speak about it. Whether it's to me mom, whether it's to me dad, whether it's to me kids, whether it's to the PFA, whoever it is, I've, I can't afford to bottle that up because I don't yeah. know what that's going to turn into. I don't know if I keep bottling stuff up for the next week. I, I don't know what state of mind I'm going to be in two weeks time so I've learned to like if, if there is anybody that's suffering you've, you've got to be able to speak to people it, it's difficult I don't get me wrong because like I said you don't it's an ego thing you yeah. understand you don't want you don't want you don't want people to, to show to think that you're weak or it's, it's it's all down to your ego and then once you once you once you're able to dissolve that in many aspects and able to open up and speak to people it's it's mm. there's nothing really to worry about it's weird it's a weird it's a weird thing it's, there's nothing really to worry about mm-hmm. so that would be my advice it's just to talk to people thank you Sammy. i appreciate you opening up about that mate uh, it really means oh, yeah. a lot that you're comfortable enough to share that and look one of the last things that that, that, that i always ask there's obviously thousands of norwich fans watching listening to this now do you have a message for them apart from bugger off for chanting my name <laughs> you know what i haven't got a bad way to say about no knowledge fans like they were they were great to me when i was down there and like any fan, i'm the same i'm a liverpool fan with liverpool fans i'm playing a liverpool team i'm playing well i'm kissing the players and you you this and you that it's natural you know it's theater but i haven't got a bad way to say to them other than on the ball city <laughs> thank you very much mate i really appreciate oh, coming on Thank you very much for your time. And for everyone that's watching and listening, don't forget, we are only a few hundred subscribers away from 20,000 on YouTube. And if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you give us a five-star review. Don't you dare give us a three-star. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sammy, for coming on. And talking about a win soon. Cheers, guys. Top man.